But in 2021, only 2% of the venture capital investment that go, that went into climate tech went to pre-seed and seed. So 98% of capital went to series A and onwards. It's, 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 it's quite mind-blowing. Hi everyone and welcome to Funding a Better Future. This is a new series of bite-sized episodes featuring expert insights from climate tech investors. My name's Cherry, I'm the founder of Above and Beyond Recruitment. We are a business that partners with climate tech startups and we help them to scale and grow, either by recruiting for them and by helping them build their teams, or by offering talent advisory and consulting services. And this series is aimed at founders and leaders of climate tech businesses, and particularly those that are looking to raise investment this year. We're hoping we can give you a realistic picture of what the current investment market looks like, as well as some good tips that will help give you the best chances of fundraising success, and hopefully a network of people that you can approach when the time is right for you to raise your next round. Today, on our second episode of the series, we are joined by Nadav Steinmetz from Nomia. I first came across Nadav when he spoke at a London Climate Connection event last summer, and the story he told about what inspired him to invest in climate tech really struck a chord with me and was really poignant. Back in 2020, Nadav founded Nomia, a climate tech fund focused on innovative solutions that would lead the world to carbon neutrality. He's also recently launched Climate First, an accelerator that are focused on scaling climate tech innovation in Israel. And they've just announced an investment round in Preoptima as a new company in Nomia's portfolio. So Nadav, thank you so much for joining me today. Are you happy to kick off by sharing that story that I heard at London Climate Connection that, that, that resonated? Of course, I'm happy to. And thank you for having me. My pleasure. Um, so... Uh, first of all, maybe it's a, it's a good time to say also thank you to Juliet, who organized, who is organizing the London Climate Connection. Uh, mm. for, the, for those who don't know, it's it's a meetup for climate enthusiasts, uh, whether you're an entrepreneur or an investor, and she's organizing really fantastic events in London. Um, so a little bit about my personal story and why I got into climate, which uh, I shared back then at, at the London Climate Connection event is you can probably hear from my accent, but you know, I, I live in London, but I'm not English. I'm half French, half Israeli. I've used, I've lived in a few different places, um, but most of my childhood, uh, I lived in Israel and I had a really beautiful and privileged uh, upbringing. And I was lucky to, um, to live uh, quite close to the beach with beautiful um, nature and, um, and trees and, and really a walking distance to the beach. Um, but the unfortunate reality is that over the years, um, after I started to live abroad in the States for, for seven plus years, and I used to come back to Israel and go to where I grew up, the same places where I used to sit with my family, my siblings, my parents, literally didn't exist any longer. So there were some those, you know, those beautiful cliffs just above the ocean, um, and, and those places don't exist because of rising sea levels. So I had I had those many moments, I mean, I call them those aha moments, that this, you know, this realization um, that we as a civilization, we have a responsibility to act. And specifically, when we think about the climate crisis, we have to act, um, I mean, at unprecedented speed and scale, and um, accelerating the rate of climate innovation. I think that's an important and significant piece in the puzzle. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So th- thank you very much for sharing that. Um, yeah, because I think that kind of tangible 
you know, aha moment of being able to physically see the landscape changing as a result of climate changes, yeah, is is a very poignant one. Um, so kicking off, we, we're kind of asking all of our guests joining us on this series, the, the same series of, of three questions, right? And the first one of those, I'm really keen to hear your opinion on this, is what's your opinion of the funding landscape across climate tech for 2023? I think that what we see today in the global macroeconomic environment is quite challenging with high uh, inflation, high interest rates. But I think it's evident um, that climate tech investments and the climate tech space is much more resilient than other verticals. And, and there's you know many agencies and, and reputable sources that have published some, some numbers and results. And I think even in terms of funding to climate tech startups um, are still uh, in a better shape than other, than other sectors. Having said that, if you ask me about the year ahead of us, uh, 2023, I do think that it will be more challenging than previous years. We already see a correction in valuations um, in terms of uh, companies that we're speaking with. So I think that, you know, uh, it's also important to say, I think for founders and entrepreneurs, not to be stuck, not, not, to, stu not to be too focused on, on valuations, but we see many companies that are either doing a down round right now or a flat round, and I think it's okay especially if you see what's happening in the, in the public markets. Um, um, uh, so, so this is one. The second piece is if we focus, for example, on the UK, on the UK, I think there is a huge, uh, it's a huge hub for innovation and for climate. It's probably the second largest hub uh, in the world for climate. So in the UK, there's over 5,200 climate tech startups. There's a lot of innovation. I think that the academia and the uh, universities and institutions here are doing a fantastic job. Um, um, and, and probably one of the biggest bottlenecks uh, is actually funding. So a, a big part of the funding that goes into startups, both early and late stage companies in the, in the UK and in Europe comes from the States. So, right. so, so, um, so this is another important point to, to mention. Um, but overall, I think I'm optimistic. I see, I'm mostly optimistic because I see the unbelievable talent that is entering the climate tech space. You know, we, we're talking to entrepreneurs most of the days, you know, that's, that's probably the, the thing that I'm enjoying the, the, the most to do. And I think uh, just outstanding individuals uh, are now looking to launch um, a company in the climate tech space, are looking to reduce emissions, they're impact driven, and this gives me a lot of motivation. Yeah, and, and kind of with that optimism and, and all these founders that you're speaking to and these brilliant innovations you're seeing, are there particular parts of the sector that you're most excited about for this year or even for Namia that you're particularly, you know, keen to keen to look at investing in this year? So so there's two things. One is in terms of the stage and mm -hmm. the other um, aspect is in terms of the sector. In terms of the stage at Nomea, we invest in early stage companies in the UK, Europe and Israel that accelerate the transition to net zero emissions. We're primarily focused on technologies with significant decarbonization potential. I can come back to it in a few moments and explain what I, what I mean by that. Um, as a result also of this understanding that there's a massive opportunity in the early stage space. And by the way, you know, even in climate, the majority of capital that goes into climate tech goes to series A and onwards. You know, there's a statistic that I remember, I think it was, uh, about 2021, so we need to check the numbers for 2022. But in 2021, only 2% 2 
of the venture capital investment that go that went into climate tech went to pre-seed and seed. So 98% of capital went to series A and onwards. It's 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 quite mind-blowing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So so because we think that there is also a, a, a very big opportunity in the early stage space, myself and several partners have also launched a climate tech accelerator in mm-hmm. Israel focused on commercializing and scaling um, Israeli innovation and paving its way to global markets. So the first batch of 10 startups will begin uh, on April 17th, very soon. They're all Israeli companies. The program is going to last for eight weeks. And at the end of the program, and that's why I'm mentioning it, at the end of the program, the companies are, are going to come to the UK for a roadshow to meet with investors, business partners, uh, and corporates. And we've really assembled um, an unbelievable group of people to be part of the program, whether it's as mentors, uh, carbon experts, corporates, partners. Um, so for those who are, uh, who are based here in London and are interested in meeting some of the brightest and most ambitious founders in Israel uh, in climate, uh, 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 we're happy to, to discuss and, and provide more information. Um, in, terms of the others, uh, in terms of the sectors in climate, mm-hmm. so as I said at the beginning, we're looking for, to invest in technologies with significant decarbonization potential. At Nomea, we're looking at five high-emitting sectors. Um, so that's the classic ones that, that everybody are talking about, from manufacturing and materials um, to energy, mm-hmm. to ag and food, to the built environment, um, and also to transportation. Although I would add in parentheses that in transportation, there's all, already certain subsectors within the area that, that are receiving a lot of attention and capital. So there's probably certain areas that we think that we can uh, achieve a higher impact uh, by investing somewhere else, like micro-mobility um, and other examples that are um, already uh, getting enough capital. Um, so, um, so, 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 yeah. So each one of those sectors, there's many areas that are interest to us. Uh, whether you're capable of producing low-carbon materials, um, uh, whether you're capable of trying to decarbonize certain industrial processes, there is one bucket or one term that we that many use that is called hard to abate sectors uh, which in simple you know you know but in simple terms it means things in our economy that are very hard to decarbonize and this includes um, heavy industry like production of cement steel plastic it also includes long-haul transportation so we're also devoting a good amount of time into looking into this amazing thank you so much um and th- is there anything in particular when you're kind of assessing prospective investees what particularly are you looking at obviously that that first piece which is around what is the potential to decarbonize at scale uh, beyond that what what else are you particularly looking at we also i mean the most important part and i think any investor would say that because this is the reality is about the founding team and the people when you invest in early stage businesses you take into account that there's a high probability that the idea might change, the business plan might change, the go-to-market strategy might be different, uh, the pricing, many things would be different along the way because as we know, starting a venture, uh, it's a lot of ups and downs and you have to be flexible and dynamic and adapt yourself. So so the team, you know, this is the most important part. Um, um, You've mentioned at the beginning the investment in Preoptima. Uh, which is, uh, I think, you know, we love the team. We think it's an outstanding team with complementary skill set 
they've already, even though it's early stage, they already have some very good traction um, and, and they're purpose-driven. So this is an excellent example of the type of companies that we're looking to back. Fantastic. And what advice would you particularly give any founders that are listening to this now that are looking to raise this year? What do they need to start being mindful of, focusing on, thinking about to give themselves the best chance of success in, in raising the year? The one thing is to understand the global macroeconomic environment and and you have to be quite thoughtful and careful about your runway, what is your monthly burn rate. You have to probably try and fundraise for a bit more than you actually need because there's still some uncertainty how the second half of 2023 is going to look like. Uh, but, but again, I don't want to sound too pessimistic. There's a lot of dry powder. VCs have raised a lot of money. There is a lot of, uh, of excitement about climate, and, and, it's, uh, and there's very good reasons for, for that. Uh, but at the same time, you have to, you have to be thoughtful and, and understand what's happening you know, uh, in, the, in the public markets and in the global economy. Uh, so this is one. Um, the second aspect is fundraising is a really challenging experience because sometimes it might uh, take most of your energy and focus other than actually focusing on, on, on building great products. So being a good founder... Um, it's about also finding the right balance of executing and also speaking with investors and, and explaining them your value proposition. Finding that right balance, especially for first-time founders, I think it's not easy because there's also a lot of um, uncertainty and, and, and you know, you speak with 100 VCs, sometimes, you know, uh, only a small percentage will show some interest um, in taking things forward. So you have to be able to do many things at once. You have to focus on your business, on executing, on showing what you can do different than others. Um, at an early stage, and, and this is also an advice that I give to um, founders that I speak with, I don't think you need to think too much about you know, financial projections, business model, what are you going to do in five, seven years? I think it's good that, that you can demonstrate that, that type of vision and showing that you're thinking long-term. But at the same time, you have to focus on today. What's your product can do better than others? How are you going to do it? Who are, the, who, who are going to be the first customers? Why, are they, why, why would they be able or willing to pay for that type of product or service? That like immediate traction. Yeah, yeah, that's really helpful. Thank you so much. And is there anything, I mean, you mentioned about climate first. Is there anything else you've got coming up that, that's particularly exciting that you want to share? Um, or is there kind of any way that people can get in touch with you or make contact with you if, if they'd like to, to talk to you further about, about their startup and their idea? There's many things. Uh, we'll be announcing a few new investments at Nomea very soon. So, uh, so we'll be also sharing them um, in the coming weeks. Some of them are actually UK companies uh, and it's very exciting. Um, uh, in terms of climate first, um, absolutely. We're always looking for, for either new mentors or corporate partners or um, ecosystem players who think that they can, uh, first of all, benefit from having access to those uh, high, highly promising uh, businesses in Israel that are looking to expand to the UK, Europe and the, and the States. So I'm happy to, to have those conversations as well. Uh, either You can either reach out uh, via uh, our web website or LinkedIn. Uh, I, I try to make myself fairly available. 
Fantastic. That's great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out today to chat with me, Nadav. I really, really appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Fantastic. You too. Thank you for having me. Take care. Thank you for listening. Please follow the show to be noted of all future episodes. We've also saved videos of all of our interviews over on the Above and Beyond YouTube channel. Check out the show notes to find the links to this and links to all of the resources mentioned on today's show. 